Coaches Off The Cuff podcast with me, your host, Michelle Walker. This podcast is for anyone who wants to gain first-rate information on how to achieve your dream body. I want to expand your understanding on the health and fitness industry. This podcast will feature fitness professionals and we will delve into everything you need to know about health, nutrition, exercise and something I'm passionate about, bodybuilding and bro science. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Joe Jeffries, welcome to Coaches Off the Cuff. It's honestly my pleasure to have you on board. I know how busy you are and how well respected you are as a coach. So honestly, I'm absolutely chuffed when you said that you'd come on the show. Of course, thank you for having me. You've just taught me something new. (laughs) Hey? Oh no, you're lagging out. What did you say? Sorry. Um, I didn't know that you could... I just saw it come up in the in the corner here. I'm learning whilst I'm on this podcast, streaming on on Facebook from Zoom. That's yeah, did you not know how to do that? No, that's maybe something I'll need to capitalise on. Oh, honestly, yeah. So this is live just for my members only. So anyone, any of my clients can obviously come on um, on board and ask any questions if they need to. Um, yeah, yeah, it's cool. And I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, welcome to the show. Do you want to just introduce yourself and who you are? I can big you up till the cows come home because I think you're awesome. Um, But just give the audience a little bit of (laughs) insight who you are. Yeah, because your audience being, I'm assuming, primarily bikini competitors, they'll Mm -hmm. probably be more familiar with my wife, Jasmine Jeffrey. Right, okay. Who does the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast and, and... is the owner of Compaq. I'm sure everyone knows what Compaq is on here. Um, I'm her husband. <laughs> Hi. For me, I'm an online physique coach. I've been coaching for about seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much entirely competitors for the most part, mm-hmm. male and female. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just pretty much don't coach any gen pop. I have some non-competitors, but they're people that are searching for like, maximum physique outcomes so mm-hmm. to speak mm-hmm. um and also practically all of my clients are enhanced as well i don't uh i only have two natural clients and both of them are within the scope of going enhanced in the next six months or so as we transition in so um aside from coaching mm-hmm. i am the founder of physique collective mm-hmm. which is as said a collective of Physique coaches, online coaches, posing coaches, and we have our subscription website as well, educational site and a forum and mm-hmm. our clothing and, and all the other offshoots of the company. But really um, just a wicked community that I'm so glad to have been a part of that's of just, just gone phenomenally. It's like better than we ever could have hoped. Oh, coaches. that's great news. That is really amazing news. So, okay, I'm going to go, I'm just going to get straight into it because there's loads of people asking me, knocking at my door, asking me about, to speak about performance enhanced drugs. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, in the industry at the minute, I just feel like it's been handing out like, like sweets. So I think it's really important if you're obviously going to take enhanced drugs that you're educated and you make that decision for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, what is your take on, on it? And, you know, the most commonly taken drug, I think most females want to know. And, you know, why did they take it? And what long-term effects does it have on a female? Whoa, a few questions in there. Right, on. Let's um, break them down. Let's go. If I start right at the beginning, 
is like yeah. the most common thing is should a bikini girl take drugs or if you're a new competitor like will i need to take drugs and things like this like i think it's pretty important as coaches that we avoid emotional um discussion or opinion-based discussion for the most part mm-hmm. not only when it comes to performance enhancing drugs but also like emotional connection to certain training styles and things like this it's important that well Anna is extremely important and experience is extremely important. Something that I would rank above them would be evidence-based information. Mm. So probably my position on this podcast would be to offer some evidence-based information based on clinical outcomes when studying these molecules, you know, research-based practice, and then individuals have autonomy, whether or not they would choose to use this drug and to what magnitude and for what, duration and things like this because when we have a discussion like should a bikini girl use performance enhancing drugs the answer i'd like to give would be no mm-hmm. but there's going to be a, a large mm. it depends on who you are and what the requirements are so even on that note just like what do these drugs actually do yeah you know what that's what i want to know yeah yeah there's many different drugs used in the physique world right in the mm-hmm. in the I I don't want to say bodybuilding world because it's not necessarily bodybuilding. Is it like physique sports? I suppose you could say and competitive physique sports. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll take that one. That we can split into various metabolic pathways that all have their own actions, right? Mm -hmm. If if we start with something like, um, because you asked me what the most um, like desired drug is or the most used drug, in my experience of consulting with hundreds of women I wouldn't say thousands it might be thousands but I don't want to blow it, <laughs> blow it up it's not um women over the years is is Anavar right mm-hmm. and, and Anavar is an anabolic androgenic steroid it's a DHT derivative which means it's derived from the molecule dihydrotestosterone which is a metabolite of testosterone when testosterone goes through an enzyme called the 5-alpha reductase enzyme it is reduced into dihydrotestosterone scientists have manipulated this molecule to create anavar molecular name being oxandrolone um you don't need to know that stuff what you need to know is what what does this drug (laughs) actually do so if i'm going to paint a really simple picture of what anavar does as every single anabolic androgenic steroid on the planet does whether it be anavar whether it be testosterone whether it be trembolone they bind at the androgen receptor and you have these receptors in lots of different places, namely for our purposes, skeletal muscle, and it transcribes anabolism, i.e. turns on a lot of the stuff that causes muscle growth. You skew the protein turnover ratio. So you're pushing up muscle protein synthesis, basically, and turning on pathways of anabolism like mTOR. Um, So do you need this drug? Um, Do you need more anabolism? Do you need more muscle mass? Um, do you need to skew that ratio to maintain muscle mass? What's the actual likelihood of you losing muscle mass within a prep? We know from multiple case studies on contest prep dieters that it's not very likely, especially at the body fats that bikini competitors have to get to. It's not um, extreme enough to warrant muscle loss if we're doing all the things that bodybuilders should do. Um, but anyway. They're the kind of questions that you can take an inventory on yourself on like, do I require this drug? Not just, do I use it because everybody uses it? 
is like, do I realistically require a drug intervention to gain more muscle mass? Like, am I peaked out with the amount of muscle mass I can gain? This is where we come to the specifics of biological inter-individuality, because some females will have the genetic capabilities to, to grow to a sufficient size to be competitive in bikini, and some won't. So maybe those that won't, they're more likely to require the drug intervention than those that can, right? This is just one example. Um, and then you can weigh up a cost to benefit analysis of this drug. Um, so again, keeping it real brief, mm. every single anabolic androgenic steroid on the planet carries some degree of androgenicity. Uh, the, the androgenic effects of steroids you could refer to as masculinizing effects. Okay. Over, over the years, scientists have tried their best to divorce androgenicity from molecules. That's why we have more anabolic steroids, why we didn't just keep testosterone. Mm-hmm. You've seen the birth of things like Masteron, which molecule is crossed mast, like you'd hear in mastectomy, it was for treatment of breast cancer because testosterone was too virilizing. If I use the term virilizing or virilization, that means masculinization. Um, so we look at things like Masteron that's less androgenic per milligram than testosterone, but just as anabolic, you have the birth of things like Anavar, you have the birth of things like Primabolin, and you have the birth of things like Nandrolone. Um, Worth mentioning, however, that um, Anavar is not the least androgenic molecule on a milligram milligram basis. Um, so as a female, if you are most interested in avoiding masculinization, Anavar is not the best choice. I, I believe it's only the first choice because it's an oral deployment, so very easy. Um, whereas some of your better options would be injectable, um, like wow. Mastron or Primabolin or Nandrolone. In comparison studies, Primabolin seems to be the best option. There are clinical trials going on even today on non-steroidal SARMs. The ones that I've mentioned there are steroidal SARMs. SARMs mm-hmm. are selective androgen receptor modulator. Again, you don't need to, to know this too much other than they are developed for androgen-sensitive people like women like the elderly, like children. I was um, going to get onto that, actually. <laughs> we'll uh, hold that thought. I wanted to ask you the difference between the two. I've been doing oh, a little fly anyway. I've been doing homework over time, you know, over the over the difference in the two. And, you know, I, I just want to go into more detail, mm-hmm. you know, and, and learn myself as well as we go along, you know. It's really mm-hmm. interesting what you've just been speaking about. And I know that people listening will, be, I know that it'll probably be blown, the heads will probably blow off, but they need to hear yeah. this shit to actually decide whether they, you know, do they, like what you've just said, do they need to take it? For what reason do they need to take it and why? And what are the side effects and long-term effects? So for example, if you've got a girl that has been taking anabar for a good few cycles, say two, three years, what would the outcome be of that? It, so, in terms of her mask, you know, what you've just been speaking about. Everything within pharmacology is highly, highly, highly biologically into individual. I'll use that term again. That basically just means everyone has a little 
different effects. So you've got some girls that will look, look at a bottle of Amabar and grow a beard, you know, and some <laughs> some girls that can take the piss and not really notice a high degree of virilization. Um, you see this similarly mimicked now. We're in a pretty good position where there's a lot of data and um, funding put into transgender research. Stay with me here because this sounds weird, but they're essentially doing what female bodybuilders are doing. They're exposing themselves to androgens and they are going through hormonal gender reassignment, which is, you know, if you take enough anabar to drive androgenicity, drive androgen expression to the point of masculinizing you, you have by definition gone through hormonal gender reassignment. Um, that's not a opinion piece or an ethical stance yeah. on any kind of commentary on gender politics or anything that's just the, the scientific definition um so the, the thing that's most uh, correlated to androgenicity in, in women is duration of exposure mm. more so than dosing acutely so the longer that you remain exposed to supraphysiological levels of androgens which means higher than what you would naturally produce the greater the potential of virilization the higher your total androgen load over time. Um, so if I give you an example there, maybe if we compared a woman using 10 milligrams a day for six weeks, um, no, let's say a woman using 20 milligrams a day for six weeks versus a woman using 10 milligrams a day for 12 weeks, the 12 weeker for the most part would be at the greatest risk of more virilization. And virilization, the most common that you'll see being voice issues, terminal hair growth, back hair, arm hair, facial hair, clitoral enlargement, super common, but weirdly something that women desire from, for the most part. And that's, again, that's correlated in data. That's not an opinion piece um, because it does increase mm. sexual sensitivity. Mm. Um, they're, they're the main ones, but I find the one that women are most scared of is, is the voice. Mm. Um, very common in, in our world. Worth noting also that every time you expose yourself to androgens, you creep closer to your androgen peak load. So there's almost like a, if I had, right, if I have this bottle, when I get to here, I'm virilized. Every time I do a cycle, I'm filling up the bottle a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why it's very important to use the minimum amount necessary to achieve the desired end result and picking drugs with the lowest androgenic impact which is why i hugely encourage women that use androgens to get over their fear of needles um straight away because you will be exponentially increasing your risk by going into oral deployments right it's something that i didn't know actually so you know that is useful information so you, what you're saying is that you needle over in over oral well, it depends on the molecule, right? Mm. So um, the reason I say that is because Anovar being the, the oral of choice with women per milligram has a greater androgenic impact than something like primobolin. Um, you, you can get oral primobolin, primobolin acetate tabs, but their bioavailability is very low and they're quite rare. They don't often come up. Um, but needle technologies come really far now. In fact, look, here's one I made earlier. This is the side of this is the size of needles these days that you can inject anabolics with. Mm. That size, you know, if you look the other way, you wouldn't even know that that's hit you. Yeah. <laughs> so 
You'd sneeze, you wouldn't feel it. No, and like there are literally diabetic children that inject insulin with needles that size multiple times per day. So I'm sure that. I think what brings to my mind, to be honest, I'm not scared of needles. And I think the biggest thing because of the ill education with steroids with the females, I think feel different when if they were injected i think they would feel it was the hardship you know and mm. i think that they'll be put off taking a pill is just like taking a paracetamol but you don't right. know what's going on inside like you know so when you take an oral you've got to break it down haven't you in your liver and everything so is that what you're saying this just goes straight into the stream right yes yeah, so if you inject an, an oil-based depot like root of administration literally just means how do we get the molecule to the blood that, that that's all it is so when you inject a, a depot like what's in that needle there you you have an, a depot of oil in the muscle or fat tissue because you can inject into adipose tissue you can inject subcutaneously or intramuscularly mm -hmm. um and then blood esterase will hit that depot over time. Blood kind of passing by the depot will cleave it. You'll break down the ester, which is essentially like a bubble surrounding the molecule, for lack of a better term. And then the molecule will be broken off and it will be in the blood. Whereas, as you said, an oral deployment, for the most part, these are C17 alkylated, um, which means they have to be broken down by the liver. So they have to go through hepatic processes, which are more... More toxic, but that's not really the issue with women because the the um, effective dose is so low that I wouldn't be sort of concerned with hepatic stress of an oral deployment unless you were really taking the piss. It, it's more so the, the the molecules that you have access to oral versus injectable. Right. Okay. In terms of dosage, then what would you say would be the limit for the for most bikini competitors? Like, I know some that I've heard some scary scary shit. You know, fifty or crazy amounts. So, can you just set the benchmark to try and help at least the people that I'm around? Mm, yeah, I, I think I, I, I'm going to um, throw some sort of rough numbers out there with with the guys that these are no by no means safe. That they, they could be safer than what someone else. Yeah, was, yeah, just a guy. Yeah, I, I consult with a lot of girls that have worked with high name coaches, like one. One Brazilian guy, I'm sure everyone can guess that. <laughs> um, and, they, and they always do the same cycle. It's like 200 milligrams of prima bolum a week for 12 weeks, which I think is absolutely disgusting that anybody would oh, do that. Um, so 0.5 milligrams per kilogram per week for a maximum of four weeks is generally where I would set the threshold for women. Right. I would maybe take that to a maximum in advanced bikini. You know, some of the IFBB pro girls that I work mm -hmm. with, we would say one milligram per kilogram of body weight per week of something like Prima Bolin. But mm -hmm. this is one drug category. And yeah. There are many. And the point being is that this is the last one that a woman should use. First one that a man should use because we're androgen insensitive. You've got, if, if you're a woman and you want to use performance enhancing drugs, my goodness, you've got a lot that you can use before you get to anabolics. And the amount of anabolism that you can drive with the, these other drug interventions is huge. Like if you're looking at yourself like, yeah, you know, maybe I need to add like three pounds of tissue, which on a 
120 pound female, three pounds is a lot. Like, go to your fridge and get three pounds of chicken out. <laughs> Imagine sticking that to yourself. <laughs> I would be amazing if it was that easy. <laughs> That's a lot, wouldn't it? You mm. don't need anabolics for that, right? You, you just, but anyway. One kilogram per kilogram. Oh, sugar. Can you still hear me, Joe? For four weeks, me as a coach, for a 50 kilo competitive weight, kilograms per week. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's gone off. It's lagging out. Technology. Oh, you've come back. I don't, know if it, I don't know if it's mine. Let me just. I? I didn't. Go on. That that might have that might have been me because I could still see you and hear you. Right. Okay. Yeah, you were doing this on the screen. <laughs> like right. dance. Um, <laughs> and it was just good. Well, try and repeat that, please. <laughs> yeah, I was saying about one milligram per kilogram per week would be mm-hmm. the top line threshold for four weeks that, that I would like to see any bikini girl use specifically. And that would be under the guise of using a drug with the most minimal androgenic cost possible. Um, so let's say a 50 kilo bikini athlete, which is a pretty normal sort of stage weight, um, 50 milligrams per week maximum of that one anabolic. But mm. th- there's lots of discussions to be had about yeah. whether we use a hormone replacement therapy, dose of testosterone underneath that and, and even there's a discussion there of when it's safer to use anabolic steroids than to not. I'll give you a brief example. Any female that competes naturally goes through um, a hypocaloric environment mediated hormonal attenuation. Lots of jargon in there. What that means is that any woman that is subject to a calorie deficit for long periods of time and or low body fat levels will see reductions in total testosterone, free testosterone, estradiol, dihydrotestosterone, T3, T4, and being in hypo states of these hormones is associated with increases in multiple disease risks. Um, So competing naturally is not healthy at all. We can never call this sport healthy. It's not healthy on the natural side or the enhanced side. In fact, terrible for your health um it would be healthier <laughs> you practice it. You, well yeah you must be nuts yeah well definitely <laughs> anybody anybody that wants to do this is mad anyway um but it would be healthier to use a replacement dose of these hormones so let's say the average female is producing about uh, or rather the average replacement dose of testosterone for a female per week is about three milligrams per week. You'd be much safer using three milligrams of testosterone per week and dieting down as compared to using nothing. Yeah, uh, good point you've made, yeah. But the risk increases when you layer the androgens on top of that. Mm-hmm. See, that's why it's it's really important to get the education and just just with the way you've laid it out, you know, help. I think it's going to help a lot of people make that decision. And even if anything, encourage them to go out and find out more about it rather than just taking it because they feel like they have to. I mean, a lot of girls have said to me, you know, they're hanging around with other bikini girls. Um, 
and they're all saying, you know, if you compete natural, you're not going to be competitive. And, you know, it's, it's really scary to think that that's what's happening and encouraging others to, you know, just feel like they have to just jump on the bandwagon without the, the knowledge and having someone behind them that knows what, obviously what, what they're going on about. Yeah, and this is what I'm um, like, Physique Collective Forum has been really good for because mm. we've got women that log like their preps on there right. and are open and honest about their drug use. This is not a sell for Physique Collective at all. I don't make any money off it anyway. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's too bloody cheap. There's too many people involved. But yeah, we have women on the forum that are open and honest about their drug use. Conversation I had with Jazzy the other day, actually, is like, girls actually just don't know. And then mm. some guy at their gym will think, what do I do? Well, you're kind of like a small man. So maybe you'll just do like half of what I'm doing, which is just not the way that, that biology works. There's completely different physiological structures in place that demand a much more nuanced approach to mm. ED use for women. And that's what physique collectives have been really cool for. It's like, okay, girls are actually doing this, you know, and I can, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be really helpful. I'm going to jump on there myself, actually. Sounds like a really cool forum, even if it is really cheap. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it takes up all your time. <laughs> six nine, I always say to people, like, six nine, 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 just sign up, read it, cancel. If that's what you want, it doesn't matter to me. You know, dig yeah, in, yeah. Co just copy it all onto a notepad or something. So then you've got, because, I just, you know, it's information that I want people to see. And there's, I've got videos on female PD use on there as well. Mm. Um, a specific point I want to keep hammering home is that, like, Anabolic steroids are like so far down the line of what a drug like you'll need to use. It's like literally the last card out of the pocket to play. So what would be your first? Um, so we generally want to go for drugs that carry the, the least risk to even marginal reward. So something like a PPAR modulator. Again, you don't need to know what this is. Um, which we'd use an angiotensin receptor blocker. This is the category of drug. My favorite would be something like telmasartan uh, is the name of the molecule. Um, and this can increase rates of fatty acid oxidation, increase glucose disposal into the muscle cell, increase aerobic capacity, and the risk is nil, you know? So uh, why, why be scared of it? Like virilization risk is nil. Health risk is now used clinically as a lifelong deployment. So just use it at the minimum clinical dosage. It's actually used clinically for things like um, blood pressure control. Um, metformin is another one that I'd be a huge fan of. I've got a really long lecture on metformin on the Physique Collective website on the forum, or I've got a really short video as well for the brief, brief what it does, but essentially enhancing insulin sensitivity. Um, so improving your partitioning ratios again how can we get more stuff into the muscle cell yeah. less into less into the fat cell increase rates of free fatty acid mobilization and further down the line you get to drugs like clenbuterol which i'm sure people have heard of it is a beta 2 adrenergic receptor agonist which means it binds with the beta receptor within an adipocyte which is a fat cell and does some pretty cool stuff there like increase adrenaline so fatty acid oxidization increases, but people, a lot of people don't know that clenbuterol has some anabolic effects as well. It phosphorylates mTOR. You don't necessarily need to know what that means again, but increasing your ability to grow new muscle tissue is something that clenbuterol will do. And again, this is a drug 
And I'll throw this one out as well. This is a drug that's approved for human clinical use. I feel pretty strongly about people not using drugs that are not approved for human use clinically. Right. Um, it happens in the bodybuilding world a hell of a lot. I often give this example. If the COVID vaccine came out mm. and they said, we've got this thing, never been tested on a human, or it was tested and it failed, would you be like, yeah, cool then? You'd think, no way. <laughs> but there are bodybuilders using these drugs, like Cardarine is an example. Loads of bodybuilders use Cardarine, which is another PPAR agonist, but it failed in the rodent trials due to tumor growth. It failed the standardized carcinogenesis testing. And we can have an argument all day about the efficacy of that testing, but it's the same testing that all drugs go through. And if there's another drug that can do what it does, tell me what's that um, that has passed, why wouldn't you use that? Yeah. So sorry, that was an option. But clenbuterol is one there that mm -hmm. can potentiate both hypertrophy phases and fat loss phases. Then you've got things like growth hormone. None of these carry virilization effects, by the way. Growth hormone's ability to drive free fatty acid mobilization. Fat loss drug, also its conversion to local IGF-1, so its ability to have synergies with other molecules that drive hypertrophy. Although women do get the short straw with growth hormone, it's sexually dimorphic, which means it works different in men and women. Basically, it doesn't work very well in women on the hypertrophy side, but it, could, but it still works to some degree. And I'd rather see a woman doing that than androgens. And then you have insulin as well, the most demonized molecule in bodybuilding that again, like it's clinically prescribed to children. Um, so it can't be that dangerous. Um, that, that can be used to drive hypertrophy fabulously with no virilization concern. Wow. There's a, there's a few, you know, there, there's how many drugs there. And then you've got, your himbean is another one that you could use, <coughs> excuse me, to, to drive free fatty acid mobilization. We've got loads of drugs there that aren't anabolic steroids that work incredibly well. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to get some of them details off you so we can add to this, you mm -hmm. know, put it in the description of the of the podcast. So if people do want to start reading up on this, you know, we, we, we can provide the details. Yeah, I've got separate lectures on all of those molecules that are long where we go through the whole clinical history of these molecules. When were they synthesized? How have they been used in clinical settings? What effects did they have? What does the human data say? Blah, blah, blah. I've got all of that on Physique Collective. So, right. Can... How can they get on? Is it on a website? Or yes. Just... Uh, yeah. It's just physiquecollective.com. Okay. And the member area is $6.99 a month. So cool. pretty cheap. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Even just to read up about what every, and take it all in that you've just spoken about. Um, when I'm going to ask a question in terms of off season and on prep drugs, when would you start manipulating drugs, or is it is it like a long term thing? And we hear so many different things about on and off cycle and then you've you know you've got to treat it so what's your take on that so with any drug deployment it's right tool for the right job so what are we doing right now and does it require a drug intervention and it's that simple really mm. so you look you don't need to cycle anabolics like there's no desensitization that happens at the androgen receptor there's no down regulation that happens at the androgen receptor hence with continued exposure to androgens, women continue to become men in transgender research. 
But yeah, understand that the more exposure you have, the, the greater the risk of virilization. So plan accordingly. Like if you want absolute minimum exposure, then I'll probably recommend doing what these, using these drugs for what they were clinically indicated to do, which is to grow skeletal muscle tissue, yeah. uh, which is probably the opposite of what people think. So I, I say, if you're going to only use androgens once a year, which is a great idea if you want to avoid virilization, do it in your off season. You know, yeah. For, for the minimum amount of time needed and save other drug pathways like those lipolytic pathways that we mentioned growth hormone clenbuterol yeah him being metformin things like that for prep now so with androgens yes there's a, there's a cyclical nature of their use because of that mm-hmm. not necessarily because of their health issues for the aforementioned reasons that women simply aren't using androgens or they shouldn't be actually i, I rephrase that because some are um using androgens at dosages that will cause deleterious health concerns mm-hmm. um these other drug pathways, it will then depend on the magnitude of the exposure to determine the amount of time you use them for. So if we take clenbuterol, for example, that's clinically prescribed between 40 and 80 micrograms per day, if you're using 40 micrograms, there's no real reason why you would need to cease use. You know, you could have that slight advantage within what it does at the beta adrenergic receptor year round as like a basal use. However, if you're going to use 120 micrograms, 160 micrograms, you're going to have to phase that because the cost is going to be accumulative. You know, we said it drives adrenaline up. Well, that's, uh, you know, expressing quite a bit of sympathetic tone. The nervous system is not going to like that over extended durations. Mm. So it can depend how you use these drugs. With my girls, I like to find a basal stack design. So marrying up multiples of these drugs to create as many synergistic relationships and as many permissive relationships. Maybe I think a lot of people haven't heard of permissive relationships before. This is where one thing makes another one work better. Whereas synergies is like where one plus one equals three. Um, So create as many of these relationships as possible and then only use them at a dose that is sufficiently tolerable year round. So we're just tipping the needle a bit. It's like we're taking muscle protein synthesis and just going a little bit positively. So we've got that little nudge to concurrently keep muscle growth escalated. So interesting. Oh, your doggo. I see that you you you, do you train dogs. I've seen it on your um, on your Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Me and me and Jazz train our dogs. So I've got Hunter here. Wow. Hello, Hunter. Hunter, this is my, uh, what you call like companion dog. Although mm-hmm. he does, oh, I love stretch. he does work and he works really well. So he's like, well, <laughs> he does work. I couldn't even shout Zuki and she'd just flatten me. <laughs> uh, yeah, people want to see Hunter like biting stuff. He's, he's full protection trained and whatnot. That's awesome. Instagram. So I've got him, but then upstairs created, I've got my German Shepherd that's actually my working dog. Wow. You know what? My son absolutely loves German Shepherds. We've re- we've recently just got a Chow Chow. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's better. Amazing. Um, and my son's like, I want a German Shepherd. I want a German Shepherd because he wants, you know, he knows how intelligent they are and how amazing they are. I'm like, just wait until you're older and get your own place. Then you can get one. <laughs> yeah, get a proper working line one and get him into dog sports. See, that's some, don't, don't get him into bodybuilding. Yeah, no. something good like dog sports like dog sports are awesome so jazz my wife she's got her dog with her now she's in maidenhead in 
Italian, and uh, she's got a Rottweiler called Lyra. Wow, yeah. what a gorgeous name. Love it. Yeah, this, oh. this is like my little baby here. He's a, he's the best. <laughs> you can clearly see he won't leave you alone. <laughs> so just having, a, having a snooze over there. Oh, adorable. Yeah, I love, absolutely love, love dogs. Really cute. Um, so I, I think we've answered everything, you know, I could probably talk all day to you and I don't want to keep you too long. So, I mean, is there anything that you can, you know, what message would you like to send out? I mean, you know, I know we get asked all the time as coaches, what do we think? Do we work with enhanced and natural, you know, athletes? Yes, we do. Am I up against natural enhanced athletes? Yes, I am. It's out there. So you know, if I guess my message is if you're going to use it, do shit like what we've just done, you know, frash it out, speak to somebody who knows what they're talking about, go on to the forums. Yeah, oh. consult, consult with somebody so that you as an individual can have informed consent about what you're going to do. Um, don't, and this is rich coming from me, but don't speak to just like an online coach. About it. Yeah. Speak to somebody that specializes in pharmacology. And there's loads of names. So me, I do consultations, although I'm going to throw loads more names out because I'm booked for the next nine weeks. And sometimes it's more time sensitive for people. Dr. Scott Stevenson is brilliant. Professor Scott Howells is brilliant. Mm. Victor Black is brilliant. Callum Ray Street is brilliant. Tom Haynes is brilliant. Christian Chapman's brilliant. The book consultations with these guys. Josh McHale, brilliant because I told him, um, <laughs> um, all of these guys speak to them and create informed consent for yourself. So yeah. Understand what these molecules do. Oh, you know, physique collective, go on there, have a look at what I've got to say, read the citations. So I'm very careful that anytime I say anything online, I reference it. Yeah. I'm, I'm extremely, extremely careful to not speak an opinion ever. Yeah. So you see all of my, physique collective forum posts will have a little number at the bottom with a reference with a study link read it and you know don't because i don't want that to just be a call to authority like it must be right because i referenced it because there's a lot of flaws in studies but read the studies and decide for yourself about what you're going to do yeah absolutely great message joe so um i know where i can find you but do you want to tell the audience where they can find you on instagram Yep. So my Instagram is Joe underscore Physique Collective. If you want to have a look at my content there, unfortunately, I don't do DMs or anything on there. So if you want to put your name down on the waiting list for consults, please email me mm -hmm. via the Physique Collective website. The website is physiquecollective.com. You can book consultations with me or Matt or Christian, or we've got our posing coaches on there. So it's not just me you can talk to about this stuff. Or you can sign up for 6.99 and ask me any question you like on the forum because i've vowed a pledge to answer every question on the forum and i've done it so far so if you do have a pressing question just put it on there and i will yeah, get back that's really great advice joe i can't thank you enough for coming on you know i've learned some something and i know that the listeners have as well massively valuable what you know your knowledge is amazing so continue blowing my head up for the evening <laughs> <laughs> what did you say sorry you, you sufficiently blown my head up for the evening <laughs> just make sure you keep it blown up it, it's pretty cool what you do massively thank, impressive thank you michelle yeah thanks for coming on coach after cough and i'll speak to you soon thank you
Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.